The views and opinions expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those held by American Football Ireland. As always, guys, this podcast is just a bit of crack. So please, no giving out. Uh, hello and welcome to Back to the Domestic Game, where we break down all the things that go on in the American football arts. Uh, we are your hosts, Joe Kinahan, Kenny Dwyer, and not Robbie Cohen. Thank God. Sound very harsh with no reaction now, but gonna <laughs> <laughs> like, say like let's get yeah. down to it, but no. <laughs> no, no, no. Just uh we're on the Robbie out parade today. Uh, it was Kelly out last week. It's Robbie out this week. I'm never leaving. So yeah, I was going to say none of us are safe. None of us are safe <laughs> on this show. <laughs> so actually, yourself and Rob did a, a really good episode. I thought that like, I was cracking up. I was over in Indonesia listening to it, and I thought it was very funny. The two of you trying to analyze a game that both of you that both of you lost. <laughs> like both trying to analyze your now like defeated season, whatever, <laughs> which was previously undefeated. In kind of a, a very non-emotional way. I just thought it was so funny. Uh, honestly, it was just cracking up. It was very, very good. Tough yeah, out day at the office. Yeah, yeah. I felt like uh, Homer Simpson when like the the pig he's trying to cook is flying off. He's like, oh, it's still good. It's still good. That's what myself and Robbie felt like trying to, oh, yeah, no, our season's fine. We're good. I mean, we lost. We're not undefeated, but we're good. We're okay. Don't worry. <laughs> it didn't hurt that much. Didn't hurt yeah, that no, much. Not all, not all, not all. We didn't want to go undefeated anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even care. <laughs> but anyway, obviously with the football, you have, as well as the other teams across your division, have your first actual competitive game coming up Sunday 17th. And uh, a fairly important one, Joe. Yeah, we're in playoff season now. Thank God. It's been a weird season, especially Division 1. Yeah. We went through, just purely speaking for the Minotaurs now, we went through a spell of, I think, eight weeks without a game. and then. We had our stretch of like six weeks where we had like maybe four games. And now we're like, all of a sudden we're in the playoffs. It's like, we've only played five games. It shouldn't be so early, but I mean, we're here (laughs) now and I suppose we better just deal with it. When was the last game that actually made a difference in terms of whether you made the playoffs or not? Like when was that last competitive game? I believe we uh, secured a playoff spot on June 5th. Yeah. So that then, was at the Vikings. Then we played the Crusaders. And I think that game was set to be if we win, we get home field advantage. And then Trinity folded the rest of their season. So then it was yeah. guaranteed anyway. So we've played two games that quote unquote haven't mattered. But um But they always matter. They always matter, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Egos are, are a big thing in football and when you get hurt you you crawl up. That's what I felt like after that game. Partly because of the concussion <laughs> and partly because my ego was hurt, to be honest. But just in a ball, just like, please, nobody hurt me. Nobody talked to me. <laughs> yeah. And how is the concussion coming? You all right? Or where are you at? You're just back oh, just, oh, yeah. just on time for the next game, isn't it? Actually, yeah. Um, first day out of protocol is uh, the day of the game. So <laughs> I got lucky in that sense. Yeah, uh, big time. Thank God. Yeah, and then it's kind of one of those where you can say like, oh, like these games haven't mattered because they haven't really had any effect on the playoff picture. Like the playoff picture has been set since the Trinity forfeit. But in a sense, I kind of feel like, try telling that to the Crusaders who just beat the Vipers when 
I'm kind of glad that I wasn't on that episode because I didn't call the Crusaders to lose that game, but two other people did. <laughs> two other people were wrong. <laughs> yeah, and they made a show of us on their socials as well. So that was pretty funny, sure. though. And, and I mean, look, we don't mind being wrong when they went out there and they really made sure that they were not going to end their season having not won a game that they played. Like, I feel yeah, like that was yeah. a lot of the talk, like, oh, well, the Crusaders haven't won a game that they've played should they be in the playoffs and look at the end of the day okay yeah fair enough they only won one game but at the same time the vipers i think were lucky to get out of that game with a score at all yeah we were there for most of it and the crusaders were just anything the vipers tried to throw at them it was nearly instantly stopped their defense i think had like nine sacks the crusaders they were all over paul o'donnell their qb and it was an ugly game, but at the same time, if you're on that other sideline, if you're on that Crusader sideline, it was a really, really good game because everybody just put in a performance. They were saying to themselves, we're not going into these playoffs with no momentum at all. And I actually think now that, okay, fair enough, they're traveling to Limerick, but with the momentum that they could get from that last game there uh, last Sunday, I don't want to say that I'm necessarily thinking they're going to win. But I think it's going to be a lot closer of a game than what I would have predicted maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, well, I think that the Crusaders, particularly in offense, like they're fairly explosive and they're pretty unpredictable. Like they will go for it on fourth and in their own 20 yard line and it will actually work out for them. Like, which, you know what I mean, is actually pretty good. And they'll go the whole way down. And that has happened between Jordan Farrell and Rob Brown, like a few times. I'm really enjoying that Jordan Farrell-Rob Brown connection. Like, I think it's very exciting. And it's something that if you're on defense and you're coming against the Crusaders like that within their own 20, like, and you're, you, you don't know how to play that one. Like, you know, you don't, it's a tough one to kind of defend. You just don't know what, what they're actually going to do. You've Luke Carey then on the ground and he's having a fantastic season as well. And the other thing is what's exciting about this Crusaders and Vikings matchup is that the last time these guys met, that was an like an offensive blowout. Like it was friggin' insane. What was something like 90-something points between both teams and the Vikings only winning by one touchdown in the end. But, you know, the Vikings, it's not that I want to say the Vikings. I think that this would be a big ask for the Crusaders to beat the Vikings, given that the Vikings have kind of gotten some of their old boys back and particularly their linemen, linemen that would have won bowls in the SBC back in the day. And that is kind of, those are important players to have on any team. Like, so them coming back and then you have the likes of Sean Grace and Old Rudkins then running it like taking advantage of those gaps that the those linemen are creating like and I think that that was nearly the difference in year game as well against the Vikings was kind of these those kind of old veterans coming back and answering the call of the team or whatever like you know what I mean? saving the day for maybe the Vikings like and I think that that just gives the Vikings a little bit of an edge coming into this playoff this playoff fixture so I am gonna go ahead and say that I see the Vikings the Vikings win this one but at the same time sure I'm always gonna say that like do you know what you mean like that's I wonder not really why. a surprise <laughs> yeah. I'll go with the Vikings too and honestly Kildara if I'm wrong again use this voice clip use this clip just put it out there Joe Kinahan is always wrong <laughs> yeah and not being funny I think that a lot will come down on the first quarter like the Crusaders are one of those teams that if they find their flow and it clicks with them in the first quarter they're very tough to stop but if they don't find that flow it can get a bit chaotic like so 
I just think that the the O line and the D line now for the Vikings is going to be just a, that little bit of of the difference maker. I'm going to disrupt that. So that's where I'm at on that one. But back to your own game then, which is against the Vipers. How are you feeling coming into it? After getting beat fairly well a couple of weeks ago, we're feeling like we're back on track now. Like I think everybody came out of that game saying to themselves, okay, well, every single person that was on that field in a purple jersey could do at least 35% better at everything they were doing. And I think yeah. it took maybe that bit of a hiding we got in order to properly pick ourselves up and bring our game up. Yeah, we're feeling pretty good going into this game now. We don't want to take too much of what we learned from the Kildara game too closely to heart. We know the Vipers were down a couple starters, especially on defense. Yeah. So that kind of, we're not expecting that type of performance from the Vipers. We're expecting a lot closer of a game. But we think that we know what we do well and we, we think that it, it uh, attacks things that the Vipers maybe can't stop. So we're, we're pretty good going into this game, we think so. With that, I'm going to predict a Vipers win. Yeah. No, <laughs> you can't leave it that vague. What are you looking to attack? What are you looking to take advantage of? Oh, well, look, I mean, it depends. Does this episode go out before or after the game? <laughs> this will go out before, so I can understand. Before? It. Oh, I can't give away. Can't give, the magician never gives away a secret, Kelly. That's it. Well, look at Darren Busty Quinn over there in the Viper pit. Will be listening to this and just telling himself he's going to pick you off. So (laughs) that's something you'll have to you'll have to worry about. Yeah, like it doesn't take too long of a look on our stat sheet to see that. Okay, well, Jack Lynch has six touchdowns in the year and he missed the game. And obviously, we didn't even play three games of what we were supposed to be playing this year. So every team knows that Jack Lynch is is going to be getting the ball at some stage. It's just a case of whether or not you can find a way to stop him. We just, I don't know how he's gone unnoticed for this long. Yeah. I think it might happen soon for Jack, whether it's a national team call up for flag or for kid or whatever. I think regardless, he's so talented and he, he gets open in so many different ways that, and he's sneaky quick as well. Yeah. And I, I think that's just great combination. He's got like an unbelievable hands. He's, gotten me out of a lot of safety situations where realistically maybe not the best throw but he turns it into a great play because he's Jack Lynch so um, obviously we've got Jack and we've got a really talented wide receiver core around him around Mm. me Uh, we've got you've got Peter Dempsey as well on on defense who's picking up a storm there and who is your running back your running back Rafa Rafa yeah Rafa's our starter we've got Andrew Patton as well they always split the load so they're they're always willing to go. I'm I'm willing to run the ball. I'll run the ball. Maybe less so with just coming out of a concussion. But we'll see as to whether there's a few QB keepers or not. We, yeah, we and I think... Sprinkle uh, one or two in there. <laughs> why not? Why not? While you're at it, just what, mind the noggin this time. And the other side then, like, look, the Vipers have a strong run game and they also have a nice little kind of quick pass game. Like tight end Leroy Harris is featured as one of our players on our team in the week there. And I think that he'll be probably leaned on fairly heavily in this game as well. Like, so all things said, I won't go against you. It would be a bad episode, I think, if I was going to go against one of my co-hosts. So, like, I'm going to roll with the, the Minotaurs for this one. But your luck, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. We'll see. We will see. Right, well, that kind of moves us on then to the Premier Division. And so we have recruited heavily for our game analysis. And welcome back to Offensive Coordinator of the Wolfhounds, Andy Dennehy. Andy Dennehy, thank you so much for joining us again. 
Thanks for having me again. And look, first first and foremost, congratulations on the, the, the Tulip Bowl. A fairly convincing win for you, and uh, I'm sure there was some big celebrations in Amsterdam after that. Yeah, yeah, it was nice win celebrations. But honestly, for me, it was like I went home, <laughs> had a few beers after, went home and just wanted to chill out. And, and actually, I, was, I got to watch the live stream. Got home, sat down and just relived it, which is great. That's probably the best thing about live streams. You get to see the game you just played. You don't have to wait for footage to be uploaded somewhere. And it's kind of fun. You get to watch it like a spectator. You can see the comments in real time when they were left. So it's kind of like being part of the audience, which is kind of a fun experience. But the, And then I was like, right, I'm finally done because I was so jaded with football by that stage. Because like I was saying last time, the BNL ball was this big climax. But then we still had semifinals and a tulip ball to, to play. So it was good, but I'm also like totally done <laughs> with the Crusader. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying the off season, yeah. and rightly so, rightly so. But yet, you know, like what is it a week a week later, and you're here chatting football again, yeah. <laughs> and um, somehow yeah, yeah. somehow seems to follow you um, everywhere you go. But sure, look, we're delighted that it does. So yeah, we'll jump straight in then, um, if that's all right, into the Premier yeah. Division Sunday twenty fourth. We have two fixtures upcoming. We have a full playoff uh, picture. So the number four Panthers will play the number one Rebels and the number three Admirals will play the number two UCD. So starting with, I think, Panthers and Rebels. Uh, I mean, we actually had kind of a, almost like a preview of this game the weekend past with Panthers Rebels not finishing 13-42 in favour of the Rebels. That in mind, both teams will have time to adjust and so on and so forth. How are you feeling about this game upcoming? Andy, I'll go to you first. Like, Rebels by 30 is like it's probably you know, the realistic outcome. I feel like I don't want to be disrespectful to the Panthers. I'm just saying that's the realistic, that's where your money should be. However, and I'll talk about why in a second, but I first want to caveat that with the Panthers are this weird, magical playoff bogey team, right? Yeah. Who who yeah. beat Cork in the semis last season? The last season that happened, and the year before, you might remember they played Cork in the wild card, took them to double overtime, and that was the year Cork won the Shamrock Bowl, right? So, and both of them were against, you know, what you would expect. Uh, I think it was an undefeated Cork that the Panthers beat in. I think there was a tie, seven zero and one was Cork's record when the Panthers beat them in two thousand nineteen. So there's sort of parallels between. This situation, the Panthers in the playoffs playing on the field of Rebels. But, right, so it's it's possible. And the Panthers have done this and really surprised everyone before. But the smart money has to be on the Rebels repeating the performance. They just played them last week. There's no reason for the Panthers to dial in that performance. They needed to try and win that game because if the Trojans beat the Admirals, then the Panthers were going to be out. And so playing their best game, they lost 42-13. The teams can adjust, but that is just an enormous margin to come back from. And then if you look at the like the quality of play, the Rebels are the best team in the league for a reason. They've just got quality up and down, like on both sides of the ball, everywhere. They're absolutely loaded. Like Kenny McCarthy is one of their linebackers. He's probably the most impactful defensive player in the league, if you yeah. ask me. I think he is. He's Neil Graham, like average level of impact in the games. He's just so ridiculously fast, amazing range, you know, hits like a train. He just does it all. They've got Conrad Cook, you know, they've got multiple Wolfhounds on that defense just flying around. And it's, they're just ridiculously athletic. When they played UCD, I think in the first six minutes, they got three turnovers, like two fumbles and a pick. Pick was a bad pass that was kind of thrown to the guy, but the fumbles were, they were forced fumbles. 
Uh, one of them on UCD's own 10, so they turned it over and scored really quickly. But, you know, they're, they're really, the impact in the tackle is not what you're getting in the other SBC games. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's why there's fumbles. Like, the running backs just weren't used to that level of being hit that hard, and also they're going in to strip the ball, and they're really efficient at doing that. So, yeah, defense is, is super, super good. Offensively, obviously, like Ty Henry's getting it done. They've got a couple of, like, a lot of youth players who weren't there. It's kind of a new team compared to 2019. Yeah. Like, yeah, 2019, they sort of narrowly avoided relegation. They went two and six, and the two games, they actually came from behind in the fourth quarter to win them. But if they'd lost either one of them, that they would have been relegated because the Knights beat them, and the Knights ended up being relegated. I know they end up playing this year in the SBC. But there's a lot of new players like like Kenny. Also on defense, Bobby Smith is playing D-line for him. He's one of the most disruptive defensive linemen, I think, in the league. He's just so good at getting stuck in and causing chaos. He sort of moves the line of scrimmage back three or four yards into the offensive backfield, and that just screws everything up. If you're trying to run the ball, he's just in there. He's making running backs change direction before they should, and everything just gets clogged up. So they're, And there's super aggressive speed everywhere. Um, you've got Ty Henry slinging it. These new youth players like Dave King, uh, who who has been called up to the Wolfhounds, by the way, and had been uh, a while ago. Uh, Greg Johnson, uh, he's doing well. Uh, hasn't been called up to the Wolfhounds. I think he's invited to a clinic that we're doing, but it's not enough tape in him. He missed a few games, but he's yeah, got. That's right. There's, there's yeah. Alan Dowdle who is on the Wolfhounds squad, and there's Cahill Keane who played with me. He was there when I was there who was on the Wolfhounds so, for uh, Wolfhounds there on Ty's receiving core. So anyway, and justifiably so, because they're just ballers everywhere. Amazing athleticism. Uh, there's a reason that they scored more and let in fewer points than anybody else. You just can't say the same about the Panthers. You just can't. They don't match up athletically. They have some great talent, right? Yeah. But man for man, pretty much, they're, they're sort of not a match for the guy opposite him. Like, you got someone like Ray Burke, okay? He's a phenomenal, brilliant player. But that's just not enough on his own. And I wouldn't be surprised if he makes some plays, scores some points, you know what I mean? But it's just across the whole field, they can't match up. I think they really miss Sean Goldrick, right? Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Sean Goldrick. He's an amazing player. As you know, like, I, I threw two touchdowns to him against Belgium. I love it. My last game, <laughs> one of my favorite memories was right at the end. I was throwing TDs to a guy from the Vikings and then the Panthers. But having both of them on the field at the same time, which, by the way, I did against Belgium, right? But having both of them really makes a difference. They become more than the sum of their parts, right? Because you're in a pick-your-poison sort of scenario, whereas one, it's just much easier to clog up. Obviously, they've got guys like Ian Cowell can make plays. Ben, uh, I can't pronounce a second name, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a rookie line, but he, he's he's a threat to score from anywhere. He's so ridiculously fast. Like, and he was critical in the Panthers beating Cork. Like one of the other reasons I don't think this time they'll do it, when they played Cork, Cork's run game wasn't great. Wasn't good enough. I'm sure Admirals will will agree with that. Wasn't good enough there on the day. Also, the Panthers' run defense to stop Cork's game was very well. They'd figured it out. They'd really drilled it. They'd really got a good plan of action in place. And also, his rain was absolutely monsoon, right? So the Admirals, who were mainly about passing, Suddenly, their run game was getting stifled. I saw a tape of it. Like Stephen Hayes, a couple of times fumbled while trying to cock his arm. You know, it's just slipped out of his hand. Completely unforced, but the conditions really kind of screwed with them. There was multiple turnovers, uh, so the Admiral's offense couldn't get anything going. And Ben broke a couple, and that was enough for them to win the game. 
I don't see that happening with the Rebels because they can run the ball a lot more effectively than the Admirals could in 2019. And we're coming into like a ridiculous heat wave. <laughs> you know, I, like unless something happens in the next two weeks, it's probably not going to be that sort of torrential weather. So that's why for me, the pick of that game has to be the Rebels. Phew. <laughs> Like, oh my god, I learned so much there. Yeah, the, <laughs> the very small notes I had on that game. One of the things I find with the and it's funny how I mean anything I have you've already pretty much touched on plus like so much more. One of the things with the Panthers is they do have like big roster, but it does kind of seem to be a rather than a next man up, these men only type of team. Where if one of those players is gone, it really messes with it. Like Ben being gone um, early in the season was. It cut out the run game. And I do think that the O-line for the Panthers, they're working on being a little less porous. I think I know that Graham Jenkinson is working on that. He's like an offensive leader there on the O-line, which is so important because, like you said, like uh, Ian Cal is getting he's getting hit pretty hard. It's It's coming back to that impact thing. And if you hit a QB like that hard and you hit him hard early, he's going to start feeling ghosts probably for the rest of the game. Like he probably needs to go home and sleep that off, like, you know, and. I think that that's what Cork did very well when they met the Panthers the first time was the kind of hit Panthers QB like very, very hard early in that game. And like that, without Ben kind of able to find his gaps, he kind of uh, really enhances that team with how good he is at finding gaps that might not be there. And another running back really isn't able to find that they really struggled. And again, like I think that uh, the... Sean Goldrick being gone is is a big loss for them and I don't know he could be back maybe by now like but he is has been injured and it's never quite as good when you get an injured player back without him being like fully healed if he is back I'd imagine that's a rush job like and you kind of I noticed it because obviously I know Sean very well I know the way he moves on the pitch and I've seen him do it a million times and I noticed it actually in the bowl against the Trojans that I could tell he wasn't as physical he wasn't laying out how he would have been in the bowl in 2019 and that was because he was back from either a dislocated shoulder or broken collarbone or something like that he had something so even if he is there like he is an injured player so I just don't think that you can expect that level of the physicality or the level of kind of laying out for the ball that we're used to from him so I'm with you and unfortunately I I am actually going to go I'm saying unfortunately but I'm going to go with the Rebels and I say unfortunately just because I have so many friends on the the Panthers from days of old but I agree with you I think that the Rebels are a different class I think I actually had Kenny McCarthy down as someone to mention, because he's just so physical and he was so physical in that last game against the Panthers. The other person that I wanted to mention, because we don't mention him enough, actually, is Rex Harding, who's opposite Dylan Paisley. Dylan Paisley is well known, like he's absolutely class and he's all over the stats sheet. Rex Harding actually isn't as much, but it's probably just because his coverage is so tight. It's so good that a QB that's looking is going, no, that guy's not open and just going to the next option, which is something that Joe had said before. So again, that's another kind of person on defense that is going to enhance that Rebels game. Wello obviously is unreal, featured as our running back three times on for the players of the week, more than any other running back in the league. And then the other player that recently went off is Dan Johnson. He went off in the last game against the Panthers and he is Greg Johnson's brother. So that's another Johnson that you have to worry about. So that family is pretty, is pretty stacked there. So yeah, um, rolling with the Rebels, I don't think that anyone is kind of doubting the Rebels at this point. I think they're well proven like... Not to discredit the Panthers, but yeah, that's uh, 
they're undefeated for a reason at this stage and they definitely have their eyes on the ball. By the way, if goalie is playing, would revise my by 30 points prediction, but I still think the Rebels will go out. It just it might be a little bit closer. Yeah, it's it's hard to see a way out for the Panthers, really. Like you're talking <laughs> like the Rebels have like scored 40 points a game, or they've averaged that. I think they've averaged less than 10 given up as well. Like it's just a a stupidly good team. And honestly, it's very hard not to nearly pencil the Shamrock ball in for them right now. I know you don't want to go too far ahead. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> it's not that hard, actually. But I just don't see maybe UCD, maybe the Apple, but I just, it's not the Panthers. Panthers aren't going to be the one to upend them, surely. I think I'd be leaning on the 30 points as well. You know, a good 30 point margin in this one, to be honest. Right. Well, we'll leave it there because the next one, I think this is, you know, a far more interesting, interesting matchup, which yeah. is the Admirals at, at UCD. I mean, like we've seen UCD beat the Admirals 20 nil, and that was back with the Admirals were all what's going on, you know, all this and like that. They've kind of shaken that monkey off. Like I to be honest, I think with the their offense, like it, it was just drop asses. Like that was what it was. Like, and that's just game rust from two years of not playing. Like they shook that monkey off against the Panthers. They haven't looked back since. In the second game, the most recent one, which drew 26-26, was an interesting one. Is Aaron Mooney going to be playing in this upcoming game? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not willing to give away anything about the status of players or or anything, unfortunately. Yeah. No, that's I'm not saying. 100%. <laughs> not yeah, saying that. They'll find that out. Because I'm just wondering, because in if I'm to speculate, him not playing in the last game is either that he just wasn't available for the last game. The last game is have your, your seating and your home field advantage like sorted at that stage and things happen and things could be on. Then I'm just wondering, is it that he's not available for this playoff game? And so you are getting Tom Donovan reps in a game that kind of doesn't matter how it goes, just to get him reps ahead of maybe he's a starting QB coming into this. Aaron, this wasn't, even, game. Aaron wasn't even at the court game. He, was, he wasn't there. Right, well, going to pencil him down for playing <laughs> <laughs> this playoff game. Okay, that was just, I was just wondering what was going on there. What, yeah, we'll take it that. He's playing, but it's neither confirmed nor denied. I think in the last game, you know, for the Admirals, let's say against the Trojans, they kind of felt that they gave up a few points that they possibly wouldn't have because, let's say, their punter got injured and they gave up a lot of field position to the Trojans. And then the Trojans had another big play that featured a fairly significant push off at one stage, you know, but like that's life. Like the, at the end of the day, the Admirals kind of, they won that game and they're happy that they won that game fairly well. Like, you know, heartbreaking finish for the Trojans who've done some class stuff like, but it was definitely Admirals deserved winners of it. So they're coming into this game. They're on form for sure. Andy, how are you feeling about this matchup? This is going to be an absolute cracker. I swear to God, if you're listening and you don't know what to do on that day, just go out and watch this game, right? Because so when UCD and Cork played each other just a few weeks ago, it's probably a week and a half ago at this point. But anyway, when they played each other, it was a tie, 20 at all. It's an absolute humdinger. Like how many times has a team scored 28 points and not won? Uh, which is similar, but the, the Rebels UCD game was 34-30. Many times I've been in yeah. two games where a team scored 30 or more and, and didn't win. So it's like a new era of football in Ireland where these teams are, are you know scoring. And it's not because the defences are capitulated. Defences are really, really good. 
Uh, it's just offenses are also extremely good and the games are going back and forth. And actually, I think the Admirals-Rebels game was six all at halftime or something. So the second half exploded. Both teams, something happened and they they ramped up and started going. I think Cork, the footage I have is clip by clip between plays, but I think Cork were going no huddle, uh, at least for some period. So you kind of had two no huddle teams. So each each team got off around 75, 85 plays, right? Now, what I used to play as a huddle team, you might notice, Joe, you tend to get about 50 plays a game. So it's 50% more plays each. So you're getting a game and a half, first of all, in terms of plays. But what tends to happen then is when you get to the fourth quarter, legitimately people are knackered. Like you talk about, oh, in the fourth quarter, the defense gets tired. By the fourth quarter, they've already played an entire game of football and there's more coming at them, right? So, and no huddle teams do tend to sort of improve later in the game. I'm expecting kind of more of that. I'm hopeful that UCD will win this. I'm confident they can. I don't want to make a prediction, but I'll still like just a few thoughts I have about it. Like in the last podcast, I was saying, I kept using the Admirals as an example of a team that you shouldn't write off because they're just quality. They're absolute quality. Yeah. And the, the opening two games where they lost 20 nil against UCD and the Rebels, who are one and two uh, in the league. I think it was a mix of that. They were just playing the best teams in the league and drop passes, or they just hadn't quite clicked. But now they're absolutely rocking. The defense is brilliant. Absolutely, like regardless of okay, it was twenty-eight points toward against them it's because UCD's offense is brilliant. So you're getting these units who are really, really high quality players everywhere, athletes on both sides. You know, there's there's turnovers, there's big defensive plays and sacks and stops. There's also so much variety in both offenses. Not just variety, by the way. Like Stephen Hayes in the past two games, Trojans and UCD, what I can see, he's thrown about 45 times a game, maybe maybe more. I know he had about 350 yards passing against UCD. I don't know. I haven't looked at stats for the Trojans game because it only just happened, but probably something similar. So it's a lot of high-flying football. And Aaron or Tom, whoever is playing quarterback, they like to sling it as well. You know what I mean? So it's there's just so much offensive football, but still with a lot of defense. It's going to be a cracking game. Absolutely cracking game. A lot of Wolfhounds on show as well, right? Speaking of Wolfhounds, like I feel like at some level, regardless of who wins, it's kind of like this is an audition. <laughs> like for yeah. some players, it'll be a chance for them to show what they can do in a high pressure game against quality opposition, which you don't really get to do if there's a mismatch in teams. So there's a lot of games in this year that have been blowouts. And of course it matters, but it doesn't matter as much as when you're in playoff knockout football against another team that's around the same level as you. And there's quite a lot of guys here in the UCD and Admirals lineups who are either on the Wolfhounds and have been for a while or newly called up or on the radar officially, or have a chance to kind of come out of nowhere and stamp their claim to a position. Like I know with the Admirals, they've got like Jack Cook Cronin, who was at the Wolfhounds camp that was in May. Yeah. He's doing really well. Like, and he was yeah, riding up there against the Trojans, right? He's really good. Richie Cronin, who formerly of UL, he was playing on that awesome offense in 2017 run by Owen O'Sullivan with Ray Work at QB. So Richie Cronin is now with the Admirals. And actually, he spent most of the season playing O-line. But now he's back at his sort of natural position of H-back. He's a big dude. like you know. So you got Jack and Richie at the same time. He was on the Wolfhounds. But look, when anyone's on the Wolfhounds and is no longer on them, they, they might end up back. You know, there's never, it's never like final. I think with uh, Jack Cronin and Richie as well, like obviously just where they are, like Jack's, you know, more of a tight end, let's say, than like a, a deep field receiver. Like, do you know, yeah. 
So two of those that are relatively close to Stephen. And then you also have John Dessini back as well, who's someone that you mentioned on the previous podcast. And he also opens that kind of deep, like more explosive option for that offense as well. So like having that balance is just sick in terms of passing. Like it's oh, absolutely oh. But there's more. There's more, right? There's, there's this other guy whose name I can't remember, but he played GAA for Cork City, I think. And he had 11 catches against UCD. 11. Like, that's DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, numbers. <laughs> you're playing for like, what? He had 11 catches? Who has 11 catches in an IAFL game? Like, yeah, 11 catches. And other people, because like I said, Stephen is slinging the ball all over the place. He's a new guy. He just kind of came out of nowhere. Declan May, for, for some reason, I know that they had... Uh, I don't know if that's the right name or not, but that's someone like that that called that who was actually just came out of nowhere at one stage and not heard of it before. And the next thing like that, he had a load of passes and a, like touchdowns and all the rest and randomly got like the highest touchdown scored by any receiver on whatever week it was. So I'm wondering yeah. if it was that. Good it was that fella, like. There's another guy as well, Don McHale, right, who played for the Admirals in the sort of 07, 08, that sort of era, right, when the Admirals were in the in the Shamrock Bowl back in the noughties. played against me many times. Was the reason that they you know, scored winning touchdowns against me? Uh, class receiver, like brilliant. He's a bit older, obviously now, but he's back in the fold, so he's probably going to be a really good mentor. But he's one of these. Uh, he's Goldie. He's just he's like an older version of Goldie from Cork, right? That that type of guy. When you put that's that's a, you know, what five or six receivers who are all extremely impactful with really different sort of body types as well. You know, like with the contrast from say Jack and Jan, uh, like yeah. like small and sort of super agile and nimble and, and jack is just just a beast who if he catches yeah. it with a bit of space he's just going to go rumbling and that's what he did against the the, the trojans uh, the last game there's just weapons everywhere you know there is yeah another one that i that had down kid o'keefe who just kind of he yeah. i think he's predominantly on defense but he plays both ways like you know he's one of those players doesn't really matter where you put him he's ready to catch a pass from the qb like do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be catching the other quarterback's passes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's just, it's stacked. And you know what? It is one of those things that it's like, it's just, they're an exciting team. They're one of those teams that it's, they really benefit from almost like not being known, you know, staying in Cork, like not not being too well seen or, you know, you never really kind of know what they're up to there. I was trying to get onto their PRO, like, well, you know, how's it going? How's it ever? He was saying nothing at all. But that fella as well, uh, oh God, trying to pronounce that name, Ayo Mumani. Yeah. Yeah. Ayo, yeah. Yeah. He had like, some unreal stops the last day against Trojans, like tackles for losses and sacks left, right and centre. Like he's just like, he's a game wrecker as well on the D line. He's someone that like as quarterback, you have to worry about like, you know, because he's only ever like two seconds away. Like, Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's a really good player. He literally, they can play him anywhere. Like he was playing cornerback most of the season, <laughs> yeah. but they'll also line him up as interior defensive lineman or lineman yeah. or DN. Like, most of the season this year he's played cornerback, which might sound crazy, but he's so long. Like he's just got these big, giant, long arms, which he uses when he's coming at you from DN. He can easily knock a ball down. But it's very hard for receivers to get off that because he can jam them and stay with them. You know, his arms are so long that even if they're like fast and nimble and get past them, he's not slow, by the way. But then if he's trailing someone down the field, you have to throw the ball at a different trajectory, or he's gonna knock it down or catch it. You know, you have to get it over this 
six foot three guy with the longest disproportionately long arms. <laughs> it was really hard. So he's had a great season. I don't know how many picks he's got, but he's really been shutting guys down. So super useful too. And that's like Brendan, Brendan Kelleher is, is an excellent coach. And one yeah. of the things he does best is figure out how to utilize the tools he has for the specific game in different ways. So you can't just rely on, okay, well, you know, their, their cornerback does this. He might not be cornerback when you play him because he'll have a different game plan. That doesn't really happen as much. And he's got loads. Of, I mean, Marty Mullery, is an absolutely like okay. I said Kenny McCarthy is probably the most impactful defensive player in the league, and I stand by that. But Marty is a tackling machine. You just can't run the ball when Marty's around. And like the D line do a great job of sort of soaking up blocks to keep Marty clean, so he's just able to flow and tackle. But he, he never misses a tackle. And even when you do get a blocker on him, he's so low and, and compact and strong, he just blasts the blocker off and still makes a tackle. So he just stops you from running the ball. He's amazing at it. Like I'd say he's the best tackler in the league. But alongside him is Harris Monaghan, another amazing player. Like they're just they're, they're linebackers. Offense, yeah. yeah, their linebackers are class. And Harris, he had an absolute career day against the Rebels when I played in the 2018 bowl against Cork. Harris just like whenever they needed to play, he just came up and made an amazing play. You know, he's got a real great nose for the ball. He gets stuck in. He can take on lead blocks and stack the guy and still make the tackle. So you got him and Marty there in the middle. And they're surrounded by all these versatile guys like Kid O'Keefe and Io and everything. They're just an awesome defense. Like, actually, sorry, I'm just thinking, I better say the UCD defense is also very good. <laughs> yeah, I was literally going to say that, particularly speaking of like, well, we always say like pass defense because I think UCD has had like some of the best pass defense in the league for many, many years. But the run defense is pretty good as well. Like, I mean, you can't ever like discredit the likes of Larry Doyle and stuff. He's just so well known. The Another one, Callum Henry as well. And James Toomey as well, coming up with sacks, tackles for losses and all this all season. Like, you know, it's kind of uh, UCD, I think, is another one of those teams that's so well balanced on both offense and defense. Like it, it's kind of, uh, you could say like UCD is an offensively led led team because they're very good at passing the ball, very good at running the ball. But like, are they offensively led? Because you look at the defense, they're also so good at that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is like 100%. I would say they're probably more defense, like particularly thinking at the start of the season, I was thinking this is a defensive team. Like the offense is good and the offense has maybe overperformed what they might have expected, I think, at the start of the year. Um, There's a lot of rookies on there. Uh, similar with deep, but the defense started off absolutely amazing. And I'm only saying started off, they're still amazing, but there's been a lot of points scored in the past couple of games because they played the two other best teams in the league with really high flying, you know, offenses. But UCD defense is, is incredible. And I find myself not mentioning it because I just, I guess I'm taking it for granted. Like Dara Farrell yeah. is the defensive coordinator there. He's, he's my mate, played with me on the Rebels years ago. We've been friends now for about 20 years. And he's brilliant. He's the Wolfhounds defensive backs coach. So the DBs are extremely well coached in UCD and they're they're so fast. And like UCD is like a breeding ground for defensive backs and wide receivers. There's just so many of them. Um, yeah. It's just a type that we get. So they've got speed everywhere. But you're right. Like, you know, there's, there's guys like Larry Doyle, there's guys like Callum. One of the issues that the UCD defense has had to deal with, and everyone has to deal with this, but they just got a shitload of injuries. Like a load, I think yeah. all of their linebackers got injured. You know what I mean? Okay, you can say Larry. Larry wasn't playing linebacker; he was playing D line. Um, so you know, four or five guys get injured. They've had DBs injured. They had like Paddy Sweeney. I mentioned he first play of the first game, 
uh, did his ACL, you know, and he's just Wolfhound starting defensive lineman. So look, that's just football and it happens. There's no excuses or anything like that, but it's, it's like they have the depth to be able to deal with it. They, but the coaches have had to figure out how do we adjust and adapt? You can't just go out and be better than everybody. They have to kind of figure out uh, a bit of scheming, but they're brilliant at it. And they've let in more points than the rebels. Yeah, absolutely. And they're a very different animal than the rebels defense, I think, but they, they could still be arguably the best defense in the league. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And they've done a lot of rotating. Like they've kind of gone, look, we're going to play everybody in the squad. There's a lot of rookies rotating in. Like when the game's in the bag, there's been like a few games where they let in a score, even though it was going to be a shutout, but they like wanted to just put people in to make sure they get some game experience, which is a really good idea, actually, because they've needed to, to dip into the entire squad because yep. of the amount of injuries. UCD defense, it's a great pass defense, but... Stephen Hayes just threw for 350 yards against him a couple of weeks ago. Like, so, so what's going on there? I think they'll be able to sort that out, but it'll be a really interesting matchup seeing like this high flying 90% of the time they pass type offense against UCD, who've got a lot of speed and a lot of DBs and are a very sort of pass minded defense. That will be an excellent matchup as well. Cause you kind of like, even though UCD's offense passes a lot, they've been running for more yards than passing in every yeah. game. Like, I think they ran for 250 yards against Cork the last time they played Cork. Cork's run defense is brilliant. You got the units are so good that they're still able to overcome. You know, Cork potentially have the best run defense in the league, but UCD were still able to to run over them. So loads of intriguing matchups there. Who is number 65 for UCD? Our anonymous football insider AFI, whatever it was, actually just asking who is that? Like, do you know what I mean? He didn't. Why? He wasn't sure of the name. Just thinks he's class. Wanted to know, and he's actually trying to trying to do an all an all star team um, across AFI and all the divisions, whatever. And he was just like, "Who is this player?" He'd been asking me for a while. I said, "Look, I'll ask Andy who it is." <laughs> Pretty sure it's John McDonald, but like, John it's got to be John McDonald because he is the best offensive lineman in Ireland. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. He totally is. He's, he's just fucking amazing, <laughs> and he and he plays. He plays <laughs> he's like. And they were missing him against against the Admirals. Again, no excuse. Everybody's missing people in different games. But yeah. Will he be back? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting none. We're getting none out of that. Yeah. Joe, anything. He should be the first name. First name on the team sheet for the team of the team of the year. Absolutely. Amazing player. Yeah. 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 I think he like I think it's pretty solid that he'll be in anyway, that's for sure. So there you go. Joe, anything to add on that? I mean, how do I follow that? I'm just, again, like you guys have said, it, it's a really, really intriguing game because you've got these like uber strengths of both teams coming up against each other. It's going to be really interesting to see how they, who comes out on top. Something about the game makes me think the Admirals are going to, going to do it. Ooh. I don't know why. I, I don't have a reason. <laughs> I think it's purely just, oh, third time's the charm type thing. Maybe I'm buying into the uh, UCD student team fade off towards the end of the year hype. It's 100%. I, like, yeah. That's what it is. But since I've been listening to the podcast all along, right? And you were saying how you're UCD oh. till you die and all this, right? And then they, <laughs> they lost to the Rebels, okay? In the tightest possible game, right? Tightest, but came from behind, 28-6 down. 30-28 head and the Rebels did an amazing job to drive the field and score with a few seconds left in the game. 34-30. It couldn't be tighter. It could literally have gone either way. And since then, you've constantly insinuated that UCD are, are done. And oh, they might lose. <laughs> might lose. 
like, does it not tell you that they're at exactly the same level as the Rebels? But it's like they, you downgraded them three or four spots <laughs> just with that one loss. It's a bit yeah. harsh. Like, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, we're always right here at the domestic game, especially, <laughs> especially me. Um, I've seen, I've seen by my predictions for for last week's games. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, <laughs> it's fair. I mean, look, the other thing is the Admirals are awesome, and I think, yeah. I think the Admirals were being slept on. And I thought that already. I didn't expect them to tie with UCD. I was hoping UCD would do better, but I also wasn't surprised when that happened because they are, if the Admirals win, I would say fair play, it would be a deserving win, but I'd also be like, bollocks. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. yeah, but I think you're buying, like the, the, the UCD fading in the second half of the season hasn't really been a thing in about 10 years, right? But they have never won a semifinal. Yeah. Ever. I think Do they've never know- won a playoff game. Like, that kind of is what I think the your thing for the Admirals is coming from. Because the thing that would, because I feel like the this game in particular is quite close. And I actually think that the next game will be quite close as well. Do you know what I mean? Which will be the, the Shamrock Bowl. But the Admirals have been at that stage before. You know what I mean? They've won playoff games. Now they've lost playoff games too. But they've also won a bowl. I know like Rebels have won more bowls than any club. But... Yeah, and I know that the Rebels have won more bowls than any club, but there's a lot of players that are new players on that team, and there's a lot of young players, and that's where like you kind of have to be, a, I think, a bit kind of aware of their discipline coming into a game like this and aware of their mindset coming into games like this because it's a bigger stage, it's more important. Kind of that, like a, a bit more aware of where their head space is if something happens on game day where it doesn't go their way at first. Do you know what I mean? Because they haven't played at, I mean, regular season is fun. Regular season is certainly fun when you're winning. But when it comes to playoffs, one loss and that's it. Like, you know, it's all on the line at this stage. And the Admirals have have been here before and they've done it and they've been at the highest stage and they've won at the highest stage. Whereas this Rebels team, yes, there's a few players that have also done that and there are players that have been international and there are players, but there's an awful lot of team or a lot of players there that haven't done that. Same with UCD. You know, UCD has never gotten to that stage yet. So it's kind of like it's different when it's a bigger game. I'm sure you can attest oh, to yeah. that as well. Like, and there's a lot of mental strength that's required, especially if yeah. you go down. I do think that in the case of UCD, when they came up against the Rebels, both teams did show an awful lot of strength of character in their team. You know what I mean? And so maybe that monkey is gone. You know, maybe that's not something they need to worry about. And that if it goes against them, they're still going to continue to believe that they're going to win. But I think that that's where maybe that belief that the Admirals could be the team that does this could come from because they've won and lost. They've been at that stage a few times. There's an awful lot of young players on the Rebels team that hasn't had their heart broken by football yet. Like it happens every player. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a rite of passage. On the other hand, UCD, I think, are the hungriest team for this win. They're so hungry, they're actually starving. Like, and they know what it is to lose, they know what it is to have their heart broken. And they could be just in that mindset where they're just not going to let that happen. The mindset of these games are really interesting. That's not, you know, to discredit the Panthers. Panthers are still there. They're still in it. They have also had their heart broken by football very recently in relative terms. So, yeah, I just think that's something that has to be acknowledged is going to be the mental strength of all of these teams actually coming into this phase of the season. 
it's like um andy you've had games go big games go your way big games go against you like how important is that the mental strength yeah yeah you know, I, I think what happens is if you when you're in a big game and something goes wrong something always goes wrong but when it goes wrong you've got different thoughts like you've got a oh shit that's it now oh no if things don't get better really soon we're gonna lose and then it'll be over and there's a sort of black hole you can go into and it all happens in the back of your head, but it doesn't feel good. Like, and depending on how much control you have over your emotions, which is down to like maturity, not just as an adult, but like as a player, you can easily get into a funk. And if you're in a funk, you're not thinking about football. If you're not thinking about football, things get even worse, you know, and, and this yeah. is how it goes. And when, like when teams who have a lot of experience, that's probably the, the critical part with teams of a lot of sort of big game experience. They just don't, like you said, though, the rebels in UCD, like UCD came back from 28, six at halftime. Like, yeah, again, they actually never thought they were losing that game. No, they just just like let's just keep going, keep working, keep executing. But and even though things were going wrong for the rebels, right? Because UCD were clawing their way back and scored with like you know a minute and a half left or something like that. The rebels continued believing and played well. So like for two teams that have a lot of new players, they definitely show a lot of mental strength. So I, I think they're okay. But like you mentioned, the admirals, I said two bowls just to clarify. The first one was the IAFL one bowl, which they yeah. won. Do you know what I mean? And they actually lost, I think, the previous year's IFL one ball. Stephen Hayes got injured and broke his leg. And then, so they had heartbreak and they won. And a couple of years later, they won the Shamrock Bowl. And then they had heartbreak again. So they've been there. And I think there's a lot of guys on the team and the coaching staff who've been there and they've tasted, you know, they tasted both types of postseason fates. But yeah, honestly, I think, like you said, you're super duper hungry. And like mentally, they're as good as any team I've ever been part of in terms of how focused yeah. they're like they're training right now. And they're just, they're focused up. You know what I mean? Like if, if they lose fair enough, they're not going to have any regrets. They're not going to go into going off. I just worked a bit harder or off lads. I just turned up training a bit more. Everyone's turned up training. <laughs> you know, that, that, like that used to be like, I've lost Shamrock balls and then look back and gone. Half years didn't even turn, you know, didn't even turn up training yeah. most year. And then, and you're sad that we lost a Shamrock ball, but that's the reason. That's the reason, you know, we didn't work hard enough. So that's not going to be an issue here, not for the end. Like you said, no matter how far behind they go, so no matter how bad things get, they're going to believe that they can do it. Probably through for the Admirals. It's it's probably through for the Rebels. I don't know. <laughs> the Panthers may well be through for them as well. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of talking myself into disagreeing with your point. Like I, I don't think... <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they've all been, they've all been there. Like, but maybe it will. Maybe we, we don't know. Like the rebels have hardly been behind all year. I don't know what that would look like if they had a bad start. If they had a couple of turnovers right at the start and gave short fields that led to touchdowns, what would happen? We don't know. They don't know because it hasn't happened to them yet. <laughs> so that's the one thing that's unknown. But they did go behind at the end of the game and came back and kept it together and kept their heads and had a lot of composure and poise to score an amazing touchdown. And I'm sure they'll all remember. They'll look at that as a sort of a, or like as you know, symbolic. That was the moment that they sort of were, they were it was a coronation <laughs> as much as a touchdown, like the, the best team in the league. Boom, they did it. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We will see. I want to deal on my uh, prediction here. If I can go... UCD, like, give me any spread. Give me like one and a half points, and I'll I'll take UCD then, like plus one and a half. Like that's all I okay. need. Like it's literally just going to be for me. It's literally a coin toss. Yeah, that's why it's like it is that sneaky uh, suspicion of the admirals. Like maybe like fifty one forty nine. I'm leaning admirals. It is literally that close of a game. 
Like even now, I still 50, can't convince one forty nine, right? Because that's an interesting one. Because the admirals don't give up that many points. <laughs> Why did you go? Oh, Why did you go with those? <laughs> you know what I mean? Percentages, right? Tell you, tell you what, right? If you get oh percentage, was a percentage? Yeah, you didn't think I was <laughs> in the scoreline of fit. Tell you what, if it's oh, going to be fifty one forty nine, get yourself to that fucking game. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Kelly coming on from Singapore to watch that game. Expected an offensive like blowout in this one. Like that was not what I was predicting for this at all. We <laughs> all spent ten minutes of conversation sense. talking up both defenses, and then yeah. I go for the score. Like, nah, fuck all that. Just yeah. <laughs> I know, and I love the way I did. I didn't even go with the with the UCD, which was the other point I was going to make soon after. Was when is UCD giving up that amount of points? Like, <laughs> that just didn't make any sense to me. But yeah, yeah. So I'm predicting a score fifty one forty nine. <laughs> yeah it's so it, anybody who was any time at all on Sunday I would definitely head to Belfield get to that game it's going to be unreal I always feel like the semi-finals I feel like it's true for uh, most sports not just American football the semi-finals always feel because you know you have that goal for the final to reach to and it, yeah. it just it, they always seem like tighter more intense games I think that UCD Admirals game is going to be probably game of the year if I had to try pick one of them, it's going to be that game. So far. So far. So far. So far. Until the Minotaur's Vipers. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, the game I had in mind. Yeah, 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 that was the next game I had in mind. <laughs> right, so, I mean, is that us then? Are we anything else that we want to add on this? Is there anything? I mean, there's nothing else to preview. We talked about the Giants and Razorbacks game happening on this Saturday talked about it in the last episode just we did we indeed thought, we thought it wouldn't be fair to try and talk about that game while we're bigging up a load of playoff games yeah it wouldn't fit ah. the thing that we haven't done is we haven't reviewed any of the games but that doesn't fit here either so the review of seasons past for teams will come in the off season like right now it's just looking forward so other than that sure look if there's radio silence on that then i think we're done i think so coach yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on again. Love listening to you. Love talking to you. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Thanks for having me. Likewise, I, I really enjoyed Angie. I get I get super excited about football whenever, whenever I chat to you and I learned so much as well. So really, really appreciate the time. Uh, educational and, and fun, right? It's like infotainment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so I think that's about all we have to talk about. We've gone through the Division 1 and Premier Division playoffs. Pretty soon, we'll be looking at the bowl games then. So Division 2, Division 1 are going to be held July 31st. A little reminder for you at New Forge Sports Complex. And then the Shamrock Bowl 34 will take place at Kingspan Stadium August 7th. Get your tickets online. There's a link on AmericanFootball.ie. So with that, uh, we've been your hosts, Joe Kinahan. And our special guest, Mr. Coach Andrew Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for listening. Peace.